Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. My name is Sheldon McLeod, and this is Thinking Out Loud. And this is presented to you exclusively by the Saltwire Network. And for a long time, uh, Nova Scotia has been very much invested in the military. Uh, It's a military town. We know that. Uh, But there's a a lot of history, and there's a lot of, um, well, history that's not spoken of. Um, Recently, there was a report that was released, and it was to talk about, well, something that's been very apparent. Um, Canadian military leadership failed to address discrimination. This was a panel that was struck to look into this issue and that um, they have not necessarily addressed head on some of those big concerns. And one of the things that, uh, well, came to the media's attention in the last several years uh, has to do with the connection between black history, the black battalion, Nova Scotia, and perhaps some of that conversation about racism. Uh, Russell Gross is here to talk about this. He is the executive director of the Black Cultural Center. And uh, Russell, thank you very much for speaking with me. Glad to be here with you. And and I thought it was very telling when you spoke with uh, CTV earlier this week. If there's racism in society, you're going to expect it in the systems and you're going to expect to see it everywhere. And this is, a, you know, a tough conversation for some folks to have. Um, when you When you talk about identifying systemic racism in in the military do you does your family have you had anybody close to you with a connection to the military yeah i've had uh, a, a close uh, descendant uh, that was a member of the number two construction battalion and uh, you know the the remarkable story of those brave men that had to fight for the right to fight in uh, the first world war back in uh, 1916 that's a remarkable story that tells us and shares a lot about what uh, racial discrimination really is all about. Now, the Construction Battalion, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, stationed in uh, Picto? That's right. It was formed in Picto. Uh, they did some maneuvers in Truro as well. Uh, and uh, they definitely was, was birthed out of the province of Nova Scotia. The largest contingent of uh, percentage of contingent of, of members of the battalion were from this province. And when we talk about this group of men who came together with the goal of helping our country in a, in a war, uh, you said that the, in many ways this establishment of this unit was born of a time of, of racial discrimination. What can you tell us about this group of men? Well, I think that they were a courageous group of men that, uh, you know, despite what the racial ills were of the time, uh, they felt that they were Canadian. Uh, They felt that they were a part of the country and that they had an opportunity and a desire to serve king and country um, and then went to recruiting offices and were told, you know, that's not going to be the case because of the color of their skin. Uh, We know that um, the Citadel Hill was built with labor from Jamaica, the Maroons, if I'm not mistaken. And this thread in our history, uh, I guess the blunt question is, why, why do you feel people haven't necessarily been taught this information? 
I think it's a form of oppression. I think that when you look at uh, the fact that uh, the history of many marginalized uh, and racialized groups uh, is not shared widely, it's. I think it's a form of oppression and a form of, um, you know, sort of keeping the stories hidden. And when you look at the aspect of uh, African Nova Scotia culture and heritage, you know, we have communities here in this province of Nova Scotia that date back well over 400 years ago. And so, you know, if that's not a founding culture of the province, what is? And when you really look at that aspect, um, it's a part of history that's not really known. And I think, you know, we tend to look at history over time in silos. You know, you, you, you might look at Indigenous history or Acadian history or Celtic or Gaelic history and black history. But at the end of the day, it's all Nova Scotia history. It's all Canadian history. And I think if we start to look at it from that perspective and through that lens, I think that we'll be uh, much better as a society. The Black Cultural Center is a place to help educate. And what do people say when they come in and they're exposed to this information that perhaps is new to them, or maybe it's something that is part of their own background and and makeup, but to be able to see it and experience it in... in in this space. Yeah, I think it's a it's a point of uh, sort of the, uh, there's a wow factor and then there's a point of shock. Uh, you know, the center has been uh, in existence since 1983, so about 39 years. I've been uh, working with the organization for 28 of those years. And, you know, it uh, still to this day, there are folks that walk in and say, you know, hey, I didn't know that uh, the communities were here this long. I didn't know that they were that large of a community and had that much heritage and culture. And early on, we used to see that a lot, you know, with with uh, the tourism market. So individuals from uh, the United States, African-Americans that were visiting Nova Scotia on cruise ships. But now we're seeing it even from the local communities. I mean, when you think of the number two construction battalion, that story in itself was unearthed in the early uh, 90s by the late uh, Senator Calvin Ruck. Um, And it it started off just by, um, you know, a curiosity that he had. Hmm. Canadians don't tend to have that same kind of... um perhaps pride in, maybe that's unfair, but uh, the military history in the way that an American would. And, and I'm thinking of the Tuskegee Airmen, and that becomes a movie, and it becomes this cultural moment. Yet this is a battalion that I don't know if there's ever been a movie. I don't know if there's ever really been a, a, a telling of the, the tales of the people who made up that unit. What, what can you tell us about that from your thoughts? Well, I think that, you know, there is starting to be a groundswell of, uh, you know, awareness about the, the, the number two construction battalion, but I, I think you're, um, you, you've hit the nail right on the head with that. I think that here in Canada, you know, our military history is not well known. Um, I think it's it's there for, for folks that have a special interest because they have a, a family connection of some sort or just a general interest, but generally our history in, its, in itself isn't uh, Uh, isn't something that's widely promoted. This is changing. Um, There are some events planned to bring particular uh, recognition to a particular event with the construction battalion. And and I heard you talking about what's happening in Truro. Can you share that with me? Yeah. So uh, this year, uh, this summer, July the 9th, uh, at the TAAC uh, grounds in Truro, uh, that's a historic location that's really remarkable to the battalion. Uh, The synonymous uh, panoramic picture that, you know, is usually uh, the the image that is recognized of the battalion was taken at that very field in 19... um, 16 uh, when they were doing maneuvers in that field and at that very field the government of Canada uh, will be stepping up and uh, providing a a national apology uh, to the members and descendants of uh, the number two construction battalion and you say there's you have a family member who's included in this picture 
Yeah, I do. Uh, so I have a, a, a cousin that is uh, in the, the photo there. Um, and, you know, it's it's remarkable because, you know, we talk about the fact that the history is, is very unknown and not known very well. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, I'm a longtime employee of the Black Cultural Center. I uh, was very involved in the, the research work that was done on the number two construction battalion. But it was only uh, recently, like in the last couple of years, that I discovered that I had a, a personal connection to the battalion. So it goes without saying that, you know, if uh, someone like myself that is enthralled in the history that works in it each and every day uh, was unaware of it, you know, uh, total society is, is also going to have that sort of uh, that, that missing link. Yeah, I'm wondering how many of these stories of the men who had not only served, but had come back and, you know, what kind of reaction they had, whether those stories have been told. Not very much so, but I think that the process that we're embarking on uh, for this national apology uh, is creating opportunities for that. So, you know, when the uh, Minister of uh, National Defense um, had an event uh, last year in, in 2021 that was an intent to apologize where they've stepped forward and said that they were going to um, issue an apology and wanted to start that process, we partner with them at the Black Cultural Center to do national consultations across Canada uh, to to uh, find out from descendants what would make a meaningful apology. And through that process, uh, we've heard stories from coast to coast of um, individuals, their families, and uh, some remarkable history, some things that we wouldn't have uh, heard if we, haven't start, if we hadn't started that discussion. And given this report that's come out to say that the military leadership has not necessarily addressed or recognized some of the racism and some of the white supremacism that still exists within some members and some corners of uh, the Canadian military, what does that say to you about this reckoning and, and where we're headed? I think we're headed to a good place. I think that, you know, um, it took a long time for it to be recognized. I think uh, in doing that, I think it creates an opportunity where it's going to take a long time for there to be, you know, real change that we can tangibly see. But I think that we're on the road to that change because I think the important thing that's happening now is, is that the, the difficult discussions are happening. And I, I you know, use as an example uh, the work that's being done uh, on the National Apology for the Number 2 Construction Battalion. I think that that is a good model of how government and community can work together uh, to have those difficult conversations and to really um, find out what the, the sort of the mental cost is of racism and how it affects people, how it affects their families. You know, I was saddened when uh, I was, you know, reviewing uh, the results of that initial report. And, you know, you hear the stories of individuals that have chosen uh, a life of working in the forces uh, in Canada that have you know, had to change careers uh, for their own personal health and their personal well-being. And, you know, when you have a passion to do something and you choose a career and have to change that because of external factors, that must be grueling. Well, to bring it back full circle, uh, the Cultural Center is open for visitors. I see, I, I'm guessing now that the COVID restrictions have been lifted, you're, you're starting to see more people come in? We are, yeah. And, uh, you know, with uh, the recent uh, arrival of cruise ships back, uh, I think that will start to bring uh, folks back in. But I think, you know, the other aspect of this is, is that, you know, we, we, we look at the Black Cultural Center as, you know, a museum, a, a tourism destination, but it also is, is a, a place where people can get a greater understanding. And so, you know, we've seen an influx of people from the Atlantic provinces uh, wanting to learn more. And I think that's great. And I think that, you know, it 
we provide a safe space where we can have difficult conversations, where we can um, answer some of those questions that may be plaguing folks that they're, they're unaware of and may be apprehensive to ask those questions. And that is uh, something I'm very much grateful for. People like yourself, Russell, who have opened up the, the history of your community and your life and have been very patient with people. And of course, our responsibility is to, to do what we can to learn and not put it all on folks like yourself that, uh, you know, there's a personal responsibility as well. People I find who look like me get uncomfortable sometimes when it, when it comes to talking about race and racism and how things have been and how they should be. So uh, I thank you for your candor and your honesty. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. We, we appreciate it as well. Russell uh, Gross, uh, thank you so much. And uh, we wish you well. And we'll uh, hopefully see many people coming in to visit you at the Black Cultural Center in, here in Nova Scotia. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts